Today we're gonna to talk about serving one another. Unfortunately, many people come to a church for worship selfish, not worship service. They want you to serve them, preach to them, sing to them, encourage them, marry them, bury them, help them who don't want to be a servant for the improvement of others. Uh, that's called a leech. A leech will suck your blood and not leave you much in return. You were not redeemed, I was not redeemed to be selfish, but to be servants. And so God has given us an environment to serve one another, not just by the official staff, but one another's. That's what the one another's of scripture are all about. And when God sees that he can work through you to serve others on the horizontal level, he doesn't mind serving you on the vertical level because he sees he can work through you to benefit others. In fact, that's how you really get blessed. You get blessed when God knows he can work to you and through you. Then he doesn't mind working to you because he knows it's going somewhere beyond you. Let's find out what serving one another is all about. service stations are hard to find. It's hard to locate stations that will wash your windshield anymore, that will check your tires, uh, that will pull up the hood and uh, take a look at things for you. They're almost extinct now. Everything today is self-service. Uh, if you want it done, do it yourself, including pumping your own gasoline. So it's really like special special to find a full service station. Full service churches are hard to find. <laughs> Everybody wants a self-serve location. Uh, they want a location that is out to serve them and where they serve themselves, where they uh, come to get a blessing, not necessarily to be a blessing. But God is wanting some churches where people find joy, excitement, and ministry to others and themselves because they're full-service Christians. They're not just self-service saints. We want to talk about serving one another. What it looks like in our vertical relationship with God when we're asking him to serve us. The horizontal relationship with others when he's asking us to serve others our brothers and sisters. Service is supposed to be the ministry of the church where we are taking our gifts and our skills, some of our time and our talent and our resources to minister to others outside of ourselves and watch God flip that around and bring ministry and service back to us. Galatians chapter 5.13 is our summary verse. For you are called to freedom, brethren. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. Servanthood is that willingness to humble oneself, to act for the well-being of others in the name of Christ. 
See, when you are a servant, what you're saying is, it's not all about you. Jesus told his disciples that if you want to be great in the kingdom, become a servant. And the greater servant you become, he says, the greater you will be in God's kingdom. You see, we, we go around and we want uh, autographs of celebrities. God wants us to get some autographs of some servants. Like spectators in a football game or a baseball game or a basketball game. Far too many Christians like to watch what's happening on the field who are not participating on the field. They want to boo when they don't like it and cheer when they love it, but they're not involved with it. The view from the stands is a lot different than the view from the field because you're getting a little dirty on the field. You get a little sweaty on the field. You eating popcorn in the stands. For far too many Christians, becoming a part of the church is to sit in my seat and all I'm missing is a Coke and popcorn because if I had that, it would be another performance. No, God is wanting the church to be full of servants who leave the stands and who get on the field and who get involved in the action of ministry to one another. In the same way that bridesmaids in the weddings that I perform are surrounding the bride in order to make sure she looks impeccably good, they become her servants in order to lift her beauty up. You and I are to serve the people of God so that they look their best for the kingdom of God through the servants that surround him, that surround each other. You know, we live in a service industry where in this industry, the people who serve best get the business. We don't just judge by the product. We also judge by the service. We'll say in a moment, the food was good, but the service was poor. We'll say the church preaching was good, but the ushers weren't. We will talk about servants in a minute. That's why God wants what we want. We want high quality servants in the service that's provided us. God wants high quality servants in the servants that are part of his kingdom. In our government, military, we have uh, servicemen and servicewomen. You know what they are? They put their lives on the line for the protection of this kingdom called the United States. They learn skills and use them all around the world for our well-being and protection. You and I belong to a kingdom, the kingdom of God, and he needs some servicemen and women. That's why at our church we ask everyone who joins to agree somewhere to serve, to don't just come for what you get, but come for what you give. John Kennedy said, ask not what your country can do for you, but what you can do for your country. Well, every pastor ought to say, member, don't just ask what your church can do for you, but what you can do for your church in ministry to other people. This is not just programs. This is ministry to people. Every Christian has been given a spiritual gift a spiritual enablement in order to serve the family of God. In Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8, 
he talks about the fact that we've all received this measure of grace in order for the spirit to use it so that God can work through us to serve another brother or sister with those gifts, talents, and skills that he has given us. We all have in our home appliances. We have stoves and we have refrigerators. We have electric can openers. We have toasters. They all serve a specific purpose. They have been created with that purpose in mind. The stove doesn't want to keep food cold and the refrigerator doesn't want to cook. The can opener doesn't want to pop up bread and the toaster doesn't want to open cans because they weren't made for that. They were made for a specific function. So the first thing you need to know about your service is that God has a specific function for you. And that function is true to how you were made. The manufacturer God has equipped you with the internal workings to perform a service that you were uniquely created through your experiences, through your training, through your abilities to perform, not just in the marketplace to make money, but in the kingdom to serve others. But not only that, your appliances do what they do for others. The refrigerator doesn't eat its own food. The stove doesn't eat its own food. The toaster doesn't eat its own bread. Can opener doesn't eat its own uh, 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 material that's inside the can. In other words, they do it for us because they're serving us. When you serve for Christ, you serve with others in mind, and then you watch God make sure you don't go hungry. It's a secular thing. That vertical relationship, God, that makes you a servant to others brings, brings it back around to you. We must develop a servant's mindset. What can I do with the gifts, skills, time, and talents that God has given me to improve the well-being of others? If only a few people serve in the family of God, they're going to get burnt out. If everybody serves in the family of God, everything gets done and nobody gets burned out because everybody is doing their little piece to make sure the family of God moves forward, lives are touched, transformed, and helped because we took some time out, gave some energy to serve while simultaneously being served by another because we are serving others. So you and I have been called to be servants. And the motivation, he says, for your servanthood is freedom. He says, for you were called to freedom. He says in chapter five, verse one, it was for freedom God set us free. Freedom is a great word. Uh, that's why we love being in this country if you're a citizen of America because you love the concept of freedom which is removal from illegitimate bondage so that you can maximize your potential. Freedom is getting chains off of me that are illegitimate so I can become what I was created to be so that I'm not restricted from maximizing my potential. He says, if you have been saved by Christ, you've been set free from the chains of sin and evil and Satan. You have been delivered. And one of the greatest ways to express the fact of your freedom 
is to set others free. One of the great tragedies of our country is that while we wanted freedom for, from, from England in independence, we held folk in slavery. That's a contradiction. You can't say, set me free so I can have a slave. Once you become free, you ought to be helping other folk get free because you love freedom. When you and I accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, he has set us free. Now, you've got to get used to freedom. Freedom takes some, some getting used to because if you've been a slave a long time, you don't know how to walk in freedom yet. But when you understand that Jesus Christ has set you free, you don't mind being a servant. When you don't appreciate freedom, then you mind being a servant because you make it all about you. God has set you free to be a deliverer of others. In fact, it is in seeking the deliverance of others that you might help in your own deliverance of you because God is seeing you're giving to somebody else what you need yourself. And that is one of the principles of the theology of it. Whatever you need for you, give it to somebody else and watch it come back to you. Give to give so that God can give to you. And that comes through service. Yes, that takes some time. Yes, that takes some energy. When um, criminals go to court, Oftentimes, they will not be put in jail, but they'll be put on probation and they'll be, they will be given community service. They will say, okay, instead of jail, we want you to serve X amount of days or hours for the improvement of the community. Guess what God did when he saved you and me? Instead of hell, I want you to be a servant. <laughs> we have removed you from eternal incarceration. And, all I'm, and, I, and I removed you for free because the price has already been paid. So you are free in eternity and you are free in history. And all I'm asking is out of appreciation for freedom that you serve. That reminds me of the story of the uh, little boy who kept charging his mother for everything he did in the house. He kept charging his mother. He, he mowed the lawn. He said, for mowing the lawn, a dollar. He emptied the trash for emptying the trash, a dollar. He uh, cleaned up his room for cleaning up the, my room, a dollar. For vacuuming the floor, a dollar. For putting away the dishes, a dollar. Mama, you owe me five dollars. You owe me because I did this and you, you, I deserve to get paid. Mother then put five dollars down on the table and left the note. The note said, for carrying you nine months, no charge. For staying up all night with you when you were sick, no charge. For working overtime so I could get you those tennis shoes you want, no charge. For, for, for carrying you uh, back and forth to your sporting events, no charge. Signed mom, total zero. When he read that, he gave her back the $5 and went about doing his work. Because when you understand what mama did for free, you don't mind serving when mama has a need. When you and I understand what Jesus has done for free and forgiving us of our sins and granting us eternal life, then he shouldn't have to beg you to serve and you shouldn't have to be paid for everything you do because you're grateful for the great gift of freedom that is in Christ. For he says, in Christ, you have 
been set free. I love the way Ephesians 2, 8 through 10 says, it says, by grace have you been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not according to work so that no one should boast. Then he comes to verse 10 and he says, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he hath created beforehand that we might walk in them. He says, you are saved to serve. You are saved for the good work of ministry to others, which will find its primary focus in the family of God, which is why you ought to look at yourself. I ought to look at myself. All of us ought to view ourselves as servants. I'm sure you've committed this sin that I'm getting ready to confess to. I'm going to tell the truth and shame the devil. And the reason why I feel free to confess this sin is I know everybody in this room has also committed it. And so I feel a little free. You're driving down the highway. You're driving down the highway and uh, you need to cut in to get over in the lane that will take you where you need to go to get off. So you put on your blinker or you ask through the wave of a hand, will you let me in? And somebody out of the kindness of their heart pauses, slows down or stops and serves you by letting you in a space you did not originally have. And so you wave your hand and you say thanks in gratitude. As you continue driving along, <laughs> Somebody pulls up alongside of you and wants to get in front of you. Yeah, you committed the sin. You speed up. And you keep them from getting in, although the only reason you got in is somebody served you. You see, we want somebody to give us what often we're not willing to give others. We want God to give us what we're not willing to give others. That's why God always wants his blessing to you. He told Abraham, he says, I'm going to bless you. But then he didn't finish it there. He says, and through you, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. In other words, you're going to be a conduit, not a cul-de-sac. You're going to be a vehicle through which others get served, not just so that I can serve you. And so we are to look for the appropriate opportunity using the appliance mechanisms that God has built within us to serve others in a way in which we can be effective. This ministry, many people come, they don't come to worship service, they come to worship selfish. Because <laughs> they only come for, they'll preach to me, sing to me, they only come for what they're going to get out of it, but they'll fuss about what's not right. No, we're not to come to worship selfish, we're to come to worship service. We are to help each other progress spiritually through the ministry we carry out because we ourselves have been set free. The Emancipation Proclamation was signed in January 1863. But we didn't find out in Texas until June 19, 1865. So there's a year and a half gap between the Declaration of Freedom and the knowledge of freedom. There was that big gap. Folk have been partying ever since when they found out. It's called Juneteenth here in Texas and surrounding states. 
Barbecues come out, parties, dancing, celebration at the memory of freedom. But because the information of freedom never got out and the slaves never heard about it, they couldn't live it out. Even worse, when many slaves heard about it, they didn't pack up and leave because they'd been a slave so long, they didn't know how to take advantage of freedom. The problem in the body of Christ is we don't take advantage of freedom either because we don't know that we've been set free or have been so used to being a slave, we're simply satisfied to get by on a spiritual plantation. What God is saying is I want you to be a servant because I have set you free and I want you to maximize your potential under God. In John 13, Jesus met with his disciples and when he met with his disciples, he took a basin and a towel and he did what only a servant would do. He washed their feet. He washed their feet because they had sandals. The feet would get dirty. And so the servant would wash the feet of those coming into the house because they were bringing in dirt with them. And so they would clean their feet. Uh, Peter said, oh, you can't do that. You're the master. You're the master. You can't do that. He said, well, if you don't let me serve you, you'd have no part with me. Of course, Peter said, well, shucks, give me a bath. I, I want a part with you. Give me the whole, give me the whole shower. He said, no, you've already been cleaned, meaning you've already been saved. But when it comes to walking in this world, your feet get dirty. Uh, saints get dirty feet. Uh, just from walking in this world, you're walking around situations uh, that are dirty that you can't avoid. You can't avoid some of the people you work with who, are, who give you dirty feet, their, their language rubs off, their attitudes rub off. And when we walk in this world, we get dirty feet. But what Jesus said is there should be somebody who's willing to take up a basin and a towel and clean the dirty feet so that you don't get used to living with dirty feet. And then he told his disciples, what I have done to you, do to one another. I want you to be foot washers, not physical foot washers. He says, I did this as an example of a spiritual principle. And that is we want to clean each other up from the dirt that we accumulate in the world that affects our lives. And that means somebody's got to be willing to pour the water and take the towel. Again, you can't do that for everybody. But you can do that for somebody. Jesus is not looking for a fan club. He's looking for servants. He's not looking for celebrities. He's looking for servants. If you're in a restaurant and the waitress or waiter comes over to you and throws the food down and says, here, or takes the order, what you want? Or says, you're taking too long. You say, where's the dessert menu? You don't look like you need dessert. <laughs> you know. <laughs> you know what that's going to do? Other than tick you off? It's going to do that. But if she was expecting a big tip, nah. No tip. You might tell the management on her. Because the food may have been immaculate, but the service was horrific. 
because we measure restaurants not merely by the quality of the meal, but by the quality of the service. And you may not even go back. You'll find another place with good food that also has good service. Our churches should be filled with good service. Jesus said, and go the second mile. You know, go beyond what's expected within the sphere of your capacity with one another. A non-serving Christian is a contradiction. And servanthood is the road to greatness. In the movie, The Hanging Tree, with, uh, with, with Gary Cooper, a young man is shot. Gary Cooper is a doctor in the movie, The Hanging Tree. And in the movie, The Hanging Tree, Gary Cooper comes to this young man's aid and delivers him from death by removing the bullet. He frees him to live. He looks at the doc, the young man does, and he says, Doc, you saved my life. What can I do to say thanks? Gary Cooper playing the doctor said, I tell you what, I want you to become my assistant. And I want you to become my assistant to help other people's lives get saved. And I want you to become my assistant to help other people's lives get saved and to be that assistant for the rest of your life. Because that's how long you would have been dead if I hadn't delivered you. If God hadn't delivered us, we would have no eternal destiny. But he saved you in time and he saved you for eternity. And he says, all I'm asking of you is be a servant. I'm not looking for a star. I'm looking for a servant. And so to, for no reason at all other than you don't want to, to refuse to be a servant is to insult the new life God has given us when we accepted Jesus Christ and had our sins forgiven. It is my hope that we will remove ourselves from waddling in and waddling out like turkeys. Turkeys waddle, you know, they, they waddle. They don't fly because they're too fat because all they do is eat. Christians come to church every week and eat, 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 feed me, feed me, feed me, feed me. They waddle in and waddle out, never taking off spiritually because all they did is eat. They never exercised servanthood. And if all you do in church is eat the word, but not work it out in service to others, then you're just going to be a waddling in and waddling out Christian. Too fat, even on scripture, to go anywhere because there's no servanthood. One of the shows we all grew up watching, that we all love to watch, that generations have watched, is The Wizard of Oz. Her name is Dorothy. Dorothy's from Kansas. Through a tornado and its spiritual effect, she is whisked to a whole new world, a world of munchkins, a whole new world. Now, Dorothy uh, and her dog, Toto, they want to go back home to Kansas. 
they find themselves caught in a conflict between a wicked witch and uh, a very beautiful, gorgeous, delivering lady. They're caught in a conflict, in a battle. She needs to know how to get home because she doesn't know how to get where she needs to go. She's told by this fairy godmother lady, you need to make your way to the Emerald City because in the Emerald City, a place called Oz, there's a wizard. There's this unique person who will be able to get you back home to where you need to go. And that developed, follow the yellow brick road. Follow the yellow brick road. You remember that? <laughs> you know, it turned into a whole event, a whole song. Follow the yellow brick road. There was a direction given to Dorothy to take her to someone who could take her back to the place she wanted to go, who could take her home. Along the way, because she's trying to get home herself, she's trying to get to her destiny, she developed a small group. <laughs> Along the way, she developed a small group. She, she found a scarecrow that didn't have a brain. This scarecrow was just hanging out. It didn't have a brain. It couldn't, it couldn't, it couldn't think fully for itself. Dorothy didn't skip him and say, look, I got mine, you got yours. Why don't we go together and get all of us? Because I heard there's somebody in Oz who can not only meet my need, but meet what's wrong in your head. The scarecrow agreed to go. And so now one became a group of two. They keep going along and they, they run into a tin man. The tin man's problem is he has no heart. You ever run into heartless folk? They don't have a heart. The small group is growing because she tells him about somebody in ours who can deliver not only her, not only the straw man, but the tin man too. He can give you a heart no matter how long you've gone without it. You a squeaky person right now, but he can give you a heart. Then there's my favorite, the lion. What good is the lion who either can't roar or who roars, but it don't mean nothing. This was a scared lion. Everything caused him to be afraid. You go at him and he jumps. Uh, here's a lion who was not living up to his capacity. He was not being what he was created to be. Something had gone wrong in his nature. So he couldn't fully express it. So an individual now becomes a small group of four folk. But there are four folk headed in the same direction. Somebody is in Oz who can fix all of us. Now, let's be clear. On their way to Oz, they ran into some problems. You got this wicked witch that's trying to block them. You got these crazy flying monkeys that's trying to disturb them, that's trying to, that's trying to split them up. Break them up, disconnect them from one another. But somehow they keep fighting and fighting and fighting until they get to Oz. And finally, they get to this kingdom called Oz. 
and they come into the presence of the wizard only to find out that the wizard was human. The wizard, the wizard was human. And when the angelic presence of the fairy godmother showed up, she said, Dorothy, just click your heels together three times. And if you click, it ain't that hard. If you just click your heels together three times, you'll be back home. And each of them were told how their problem was going to be resolved because the great grand wizard was a human being. And when they got to the right place with the right people, with the right message, as a small group, all of them got healed. So I know you have your own problems. You want to go home to Kansas. You've got your own need. You've got something you need to get fixed in your life. Well, I want you to follow the yellow brick road. I want you to go down the pathway of God based on his word because there's somebody at the end of the road who knows where you are because he's human. But he also knows what to say that can turn your situation around so that when God is finished with you, he's not only healed you, He's healed the folks you've traveled this road with. And even though the needs are different, because of his all-compassing power, he can meet the needs of all in the group because you traveled the road together. May God bless you as you serve one another so that you get back in nature, you get back into your right mind, you get the right kind of heart, and you get relocated to the right place he wants you to be because you are willing to travel down the road of his glory. God bless you as you connect with the horizontal Jesus, connecting with him vertically, connecting with each other horizontally, and watching God transform the whole group as they move forward. God bless and thank you.